Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Generally Casual. I'm Michael, one of your co-hosts, and joined with me today is, as always, the same people. Yeah, uh, we're sorry about that. Wait, are we all the same people? Yeah. Richard I feel like I'm and Corey. I, yeah, I'm Corey, and I think I'm a better Corey than I was last episode. I don't I, think so. Whoa. Oh, I, I'm different. I didn't say better or worse. Built different? So, <laughs> kind of in celebration of uh, today, as in the day that this episode is releasing, is Bad Poetry Day, uh, we thought we would do a little intro on poetry. To be or not to be. I don't think that's poetry. And uh, uh, Richard, everything in theater is poetry. That's true. Okay. It, it yeah. is the point. Why don't you take your artist butt and get out of here? Uh, Why don't we let Corey explain it so he can determine whether or not you're right? Well, according to Lexico, which is like up there on top five of Richard's favorite websites. <laughs> He's looking stuff up every day. <laughs> I like definitions. What does yeah. Lexico mean? <laughs> the internet just implodes if you ask Lexico what Lexico means. Um, so poetry is literary work in which special intensity is given to the expression of feelings and ideas by the use of distinctive style and rhythm, poems collectively, or as a genre of literature. So, uh, technically, Michael is correct. Because uh, part of the whole thing about plays and acting and stuff is about the way that you present the language. And that is essentially what poetry is, is... It is about saying things that mean something with a specific tempo. And that tempo is traditionally like it tends to give a little more emotion to what you're saying as well. Uh, And we'll go on and talk about a little bit of the differences between normal language and poetry in a little bit. Um, But before we do that, uh, I thought it would be interesting to see like a little origin of the word poetry. So uh, it's poetry comes from late Middle English from medieval Latin, poetria, um, and from Latin poeta or poet. So in early use of the word, it was also used to uh, talk about creative literature in general. You could have been doing a play, and you would be doing poetry. You could be writing a book, and you would be doing poetry. I could be saying hi to Richard, and I could be doing poetry. Yes. Maybe. Not, not in the way you, you just said No, it. if you sung That's it. not very expressive. <laughs> His name is Richard, and he sits here. Everyone questions why he's drinking beer. Yeah, why are you drinking beer right now, Richard? <laughs> Out of the three people in this room, I think I'd be the least likely to drink beer. I don't know. I think you two are pretty high up on that list. We're very high up yeah. on that list. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's interesting because it, you can see how poetry kind of formed. Um, and you can make the argument that poetry has been around for as long as religion has. Because it's almost a way of telling stories um i feel like if you're a poet you'd probably say poetry has been around since man first put pen to paper i mean but people have been talking (laughs) and telling stories way longer than people have been writing things down it's true but did people want to do poetry before things were written down well why don't you tell a story (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> we completely derailed where I was going with this conversation <laughs> with, with, with your foolery, Tom foolery. Um, so, uh, formally, poetry is recognized by its dependence on at least one more parameter, the line, than in prose composition. So, oh. what is prose, Michael? Prose is the way you speak. Nope. It's written or spoken language in its ordinary form without metrical structure. So, like, <laughs> it, if you read Good something job, <laughs> and you're reading something literally as to how it is presented, that is prose. So, um, poetry takes that further and they go, okay, well, the structure of how this is written affects how you speak it. And that is as important um, as the stuff you were saying to begin with because your cadence of how you're speaking the poem actually matters. It gets across feeling as well. So, so poetry, this is based off of the prose definition, the without metrical structure is m kind of the rhythm on how you say something versus prose is literally just you're speaking. Yeah, you're paying a lot more attention when it's prose to uh, grammar and like sentence structure got it so um you would be like that's a comma i'm gonna give that comma the general comma amount of Space. silence uh that's a full stop i'm gonna stop here and pause and take a breath that's a so, period no that's something else full, um, no full <laughs> stop and period in terms of sentence structure no 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 are yes same you thing. are correct but american language is stupid um got it <laughs> So, uh, the the extra line as a parameter actually changes how something looks on a page, and then it also gives that cue as to how to speak the written word. Um, and then you can kind of see that in very common examples of like if you haven't, uh, like if you've seen a play before, you can see how the line structures are not just broken down by who's speaking, but also how it's supposed to be spoken. Uh, you can see that in like religious books and texts like the Bible. It's in verses. So that's very similar to poetic structure. Um, and you can also make the argument that a lot of things in the Bible are written as poems. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought it was really cool because uh, it goes on to say how reading poetry aloud in a different voice from their habitual voice Possibly because, as Ben Johnson said, poetry speaketh somewhat above a mortal mouth. Good old Ben Johnson. <laughs> so thanks, Ben. Uh, people. So World as a famous. test, as a test to like what he said, uh, and he was essentially saying that as though like it, it's more than a normal conversation. You should be speaking poetry a little higher than you usually would. So. The importance of the parameter, the line, was shown when people are shown poems but printed as prose. So instead of given the actual poetic structure, it's just laid out as a, a paragraph. And even if it was a poem that was rhyming, or even if it was a poem that they were familiar with, like, I don't know, like, um, what, cat in the hat style thing, right? Like, someone's very familiar with Dr. Seuss, but yeah. if it was protect, uh, projected as a sentence that they would read, they would actually read that as prose, opposed to give it 
the poetic structure that they were used to. Uh, so like a, in essence, sight reading that that whole entire thing. If they were just reading it like on the fly, they wouldn't be able to the, like they it, as yeah. they read it, they'd probably be like, "Oh, this seems weird that I'm reading it this way." But initially, the read would be prose, not yes, rhythmic, and that's true. Just because. Uh, that layout adds so much to your brain actually digesting the information. And like you said, sight reading almost. Like uh, the human brain is fantastical in its way to be lazy. So it's like it chooses what information is important and what's not. So if you have like certain words that are in the wrong order in a sentence, your brain can read that and be like, okay, that doesn't make sense to read it that way. Let me fill in the information and you actually read it in a correct order or or if uh letters are swapped around in a word but the, the, front, the first the, few and the back few are correct then yeah. your brain can do that work so it's really really interesting because it kind of goes into a lot of brain science and brain science. yeah <laughs> very very uh <laughs> lackadaisical way of psychology and saying psychology but brain science brain science brain blast <laughs> I get a brain blast when I read poetry yeah <laughs> oh it makes sense though in essence I, like I said as you would read something if it was in like a paragraph structure like sentence after sentence when it's supposed to be read a specific way I myself as I would start reading be like wait this sentence rhymes with this other sentence or these parts rhyme with these other you know stuff or like rhythmically this doesn't make sense as you're reading it but you're forced to kind of read it in the way that it's presented to you as opposed to the way that the author or poet wants you to read yeah, it just like yeah. nickelback where they rhyme sorry and story together yeah, yeah. photograph That's yeah right. exactly they're excellent oh. rhymers and use of syntax they're definitely the best poets yeah 100 percent. the prose in every nickelback song is amazing wouldn't it suck if like some of the people listening right now genuinely liked Nickelback. And we like hey, you and listening we, to us. So I, we don't like I, Nickelback. To be fair, you you any listener has the right to listen to whatever they want to. If they want to listen to Nickelback and they enjoy it, by all means. I just don't agree with that. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a fan Here of Here at Genuinely Casual, we believe in everyone's right to having stupid opinions. Oh. <laughs> So, um, in case any of what I had said in that last blurb of text made no sense, because sometimes I don't make sense. Sometimes I confuse myself. In fact, that happens very frequently. Often um, we don't know what he's saying. No. <laughs> uh, just, just tell Siri to listen to me and ask to translate it to American if you don't understand. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, what I thought summed it up really, really well to help people understand is poetry is the way that way it is because it looks that way and it looks that way because it sounds that way and vice versa yeah you could read through uh, poetry and then sound like you're poetic without needing to actually be poetic like i could read through any poetry and people were like oh that sounds very nice you're rhyming and the 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 meter of everything you're saying sounds good you yes. sound rhythmic in and your yes. voice. And it might be that way because it looks that way. Yeah. And if it didn't look like that, then it wouldn't be poetry. It wouldn't sound like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's kind of like this self-fulfilling poetic prophecy situation. <laughs> it is what it is because you see it as it. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. That. So we mentioned it earlier. Prose. Mr. Definition Man, 
Would you like to reiterate the definition of prose? or spoken language in its ordinary form. Oh, sorry, Richard. I was taking your job. Without metrical structure. There we go. Together. Finishing it off like two brothers. Two Two brothers. Two Two brothers. brothers. Two brothers. So, uh, prose and poetry can get confused a a fair amount because uh, prose can be written artistically. It's not just like factual evidence or writing a story or whatever you can have uh prose be written in a way that can be artistic and then it becomes a little difficult to draw the line between what is poetry and what is prose um an american poet called robert frost was saying that poetry is what got left behind in translation so when in doubt, translate. Whatever comes through is prose, and the remainder is poetry. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Like when I when I was researching and I found that, I was like, wow, that actually helps me understand a lot. Because when you are learning a new language, you're just focusing on what words literally mean. Yeah. You're like, I need to know how to make this word be this word in this language, and through that, you have sentences that become very utilitarian and it's all about purveying direct meaning and then through that you lose all the artistry of that language it's almost like a haiku where if you read it in japanese it sticks with the meter of 575 but if you translate it into any other language it will lose that but you'll still get the meaning of the poem yeah huh that's interesting yeah so yeah, also, that's a more also, liberal... I like how you quoted Robert Frost, and he is a very famous poet, versus earlier when you said Ben Johnson, and both of us, Michael and I, looked at each other like, who the heck is Ben Johnson? He's just the average guy. <laughs> he's a guy. Yeah. I, I could have just made that name up. He's just walking on the street, and he's like, I'm Actually, a poet. Actually, Corey is the one who said that. Who, ben Johnson doesn't exist. Yeah. Who's going to fact check me? It's no actually one. it's actually Corey. <laughs> that's my other name that's my poet that's his american name i've been a secret poet for years (laughs) underneath ben johnson pseudonym ben johnson (laughs) that's the thing i just make sure i seem so inept at poetry in everyday life no one will see it coming you rearrange the letters in ben johnson and you get not Corey. Corey. (laughs) (laughs) there's no c in ben um so uh, once again, I think I reiterated that when people are given pro- poetry as prose, they read it as prose. Um, and that's just because that's the way that people's minds like to work, especially if you're not artistic. Um, but I, I found a really nice example for the people that had difficulty about prose and poetry because I kind of did for a while. And that's kind of why we decided that this episode would be just an entry entry level poetry episode opposed to going in depth into bad poetry because for me i'm like i don't i don't get poetry Even like good poetry, what is poetry like i can't tell good from bad yeah. so uh i thought it would be more helpful if we just go what is poetry yeah which makes sense and it, as we have discussed before also michael mentioned haiku obviously there's a bunch of different forms but we'll it's cover those in anime it what Haikyuu? <laughs> Haikyuu? Uh, but obviously there's a bunch of different forms of poetry, but that's all stuff that we can cover in another episode and kind of go in depth into. There's, there's also a, a new favorite thing from a video game that Corey likes called lighting. 
which is a form of battle poetry. <laughs> that, that's the, what? That's the Viking battle oh, poetry. Oh, got it. It's where you try and make fun of your opponent. But in poetry In form. poetic form. Yeah. So we'll, t- we'll uh, cover that too in our in-depth dive well, into poetry. Because we're kind of talking about it right now. Before I go on to the like physical examples of poetry and prose, uh, that is kind of interesting topic is that um, poetry was used in Viking times as a way of showing mastery of a language, right? Which is really amazing because I don't have that. <laughs> so wait so in essence it was the original battle rap so it yeah it was essentially like you can be tough and all or but if you can only make fun of your opponent literally and you can't form a good sentence and a good beat like verbal beat down that is enjoyable to listen to then it doesn't hold as much value and, and we'll we'll make this even more epic is that the Vikings had flighting in their myths and legends that their gods and goddesses would flight with each other as a form of combat. And I was like, you guys are very refined for also raiding and pillaging. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So battle by combat, trial by combat needs to be trial by flighting instead. Well, it's, it's, and then I, Eminem needs to then go I do like that. I like Nor- Norse culture because it's like, well, you have a mastery of combat, but you also have a mastery of your intelligence. Yeah, and also, <laughs> it's a little off track, but also like health-wise as well. Of the time, they were the only culture or one of the few cultures of that era that took monthly baths. They would actually have like at least one Sunday, I believe, a month, where they would all get together... And they'll bathe in the stream and be clean. get together and bathe in In fact, it may have been a weekly thing. I can't remember exactly. But anyway, back on to poetry and prose because that's what you guys are listening for. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The battle rap thing was pretty cool. (laughs) You know what? Let's ditch it right now. (laughs) Battle rap. Um, So the following passages that I've listed... um, is an example where a prose writer and a poet are talking about the same subject, which is growing older. So the first one is going to be from the prose writer Gordon Rattray Taylor from The Biological Time Bomb. So it goes as follows. Between the ages of 30 and 90, the weight of our muscles falls by 30% and the power we can exert likewise. The number of nerve fibers in a nerve trunk falls by a quarter. The weight of our brains falls from an average of 3.03 pounds to 2.27 pounds as cells die and are not replaced. So very, very literal, very factual. Um, And it's getting information across. And the way that I structured that sentence, although sometimes poorly, was uh, based off of the grammar and the the sentence structure. Yeah. Yeah. Those are facts. Mm Mm-hmm. That's cold, hard facts. Those are facts. Cold and hard facts. So, if Michael can scroll down a little bit, because he has control of the mouse, so I can see the entire poem. Thank you. Um, This poem is from the great T.S. Eliot, from his Four Quartets. Um, And once again, same topic. It's about getting older. Let me disclose the gifts reserved for age. To set a crown upon your lifetime's effort. First, the cold friction of expiring sense. 
without enchantment, offering no promise. But bitter tastelessness of shadow fruit, as body and soul begin to fall asunder. Second, the conscience, conscious impotence of rage, at human folly and the laceration, of laughter at what ceases to amuse, and last, the rending pain of reenactment, of all that you have done and been. So, uh, lots of imagery in in that second one. Yes, and you can kind of see how that sent the structure and the line gives room for that imagery, right? Like, because if I just read that off, your brain wouldn't really have the same amount of time to catch up to that impact and to kind of have that that imagery crop up. Um, like with the first sentence when I read that, I was like, okay, this is a lot of information. Okay, yeah, we're moving on. All right, next thing. Uh, whereas with T.S. Eliot's po- poem, you would kind of be like, all right, I'm I'm really thinking about each individual line. I'm kind of getting the feeling. Um, <laughs> and the li- it's almost like a little tragic and dark as it goes on. It just kind of gets more somber. And then towards the middle where there's the impotence of rage that you're just like oh like feeling the fight and then it just fades out yeah so so as a as a uh kind of creative exercise what i what i kind of did is when thinking about the first the prose that you said Mm -hmm. if you put scroll back up um (laughs) if you close your eyes and listen to what Corey said when he read the prose right as soon as he starts talking about the the weight of our muscles, you you kind of can picture m- muscles. Mm-hmm. You kind of picture what you're speaking of, versus in the in the poetry, your brain can go all sorts of directions because he's not specifically mentioning well. And when he specifically mentions certain nouns like the bitter tastelessness of shadow fruit, you don't know what a shadow fruit is, but you, you don't know what picture- a shadow fruit. But oh you can goodness. picture a fruit, yeah. and then you you then picture the like someone biting into it and having bitter tastelessness. Like there's so much description and mm-hmm. and and like the the imagery behind that, it kind of lets your brain flow. Versus the other one is muscles, nerve fibers, brain. Like there's lots of nouns that point to specific things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so that I think really helped me understand it a lot better. And obviously we have mentioned already that poetry in general is so large and covers such a a grand amount of different forms. There's like a different version of it in every culture. Yeah, yeah, and not to mention like one form that we've all been familiar with as like English native speakers at least is nursery rhymes. Mm-hmm. That is a form of poetry. We mentioned Dr. Seuss earlier. You can go into a whole other list of stories. Um, and that is kind of really neat that we are focusing on teaching children enjoyment of reading, yes, but also uh, abstract imagery, I think, is a really, really important thing that poems kind of teach us. And that's one thing that doing the research for this, this episode I found was that um, I had kind of fallen into a pace of language being very utilitarian. Mm. Um, it Can I put the point across? And I hadn't placed as much importance in creating imagery. So, 
Yeah, I think this was as much as I know very little about poetry still, but doing this research, it has kind of helped me. So hopefully it's helped you guys too. Um, and then just kind of in honor of the bad poetry day that it is, do you guys have an example of bad poetry for me? Well, did you know that bad poetry has a name? Bad poetry? What is it? Um, apparently, there was a rapper who used this in a song, but all the way back in the 15, 1600s, they used to call bad poets a poetaster. A poetaster? <laughs> poetaster. P-O-E taster. Wow. Poetaster. Poetaster. Potaster. Po- poetaster? Or a r- r- rhymester. Poetaster. And here, here's a little thing for you from the modern use of this. And I like it because it's also a flight. <laughs> oh, boy. And as for my inflammatory writ, well, I wrote it and I was not inflamed one bit. Advice from the master derailed that disaster, he said. Hand that pen over to me, poet taster. Maybe wow. it's poetaster. <laughs> I think it's like protester, uh, but it's poetaster. I don't know. Uh, if you guys do know about the <laughs> proper pronunciation of that word, let us know. Uh, um, so I didn't have a good example of bad poetry because it is kind of hard when you don't know much about poetry to begin with to be like, this is a bad poem. Well, why is it a bad poem? So that is kind of where I devoted my efforts into thinking. And personally... Based off my research, what I believe would make up a bad poem or poetry is that the biggest contributor to the poetry being bad or poor is writing the poem or forming the poem in a way that doesn't convey the tone correctly and is not written in a way that allows you to read the tone of the poem. So, and kind of, I think that's along the same lines as what I was going to go with, but basically... If it's hard to read, it's probably not good poetry. Yeah, because a lot of poetry, like obviously the one Michael just read, it did have the two-line rhyme structure. Um, But some poetry, like the T.S. Eliot poem, doesn't rhyme. Um, It's a lot about creating imagery. Um, So rhyming can be and sometimes isn't a part of poetry. So it then does come down to the key indicator which separates it from prose, in my belief, which is the the line or the structure. Yeah. Well, and uh, very often when I was learning about poetry back in school, um, sometimes even the way it was written, like the way it visually looked on the page was part of the poetry. Yeah, um, that's, the, that's the line. Yeah. And sometimes... They would take this setup and then they would edit it so that the words flow in the page. So that way it creates a shape or it creates art. out of the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was like. That's, I yeah. was like, what? <laughs> but no, yeah, I saw, I saw this uh, example of that too where um, it was very similar to what you were saying, except it, it kind of started off with the words going in one direction and then they sprawled out like almost like palm leaves. Mm-hmm. And it was... Is really interesting to see, but very difficult to read. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I mean, that's part of poetry is that, I mean, as the age old phrase, you know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's very representative of poetry is you can tell bad poetry, you can tell good poetry from, apart from each other. But 
getting into the nitty gritty of it is where I guess that that fine line appears is a poet could tell a bad poet very easily, but the average person's probably like, hey, that sounds good. Especially if you don't have an understanding of like more advanced words in whatever language it is, mm-hmm. like you you will lose out on how it's read. Going, wow, you use such an intricate word there to kind of really make the the meter of that line flow. While the average person's like, yeah, that's uh, that's cool there. That sounded pretty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that that really does kind of um, show the value of that that explanation that. Poetry is what translation leaves behind. I feel like that was the most impactful, impactful piece of research for me. I think yeah. is that it's, it's very like, eloquent. It's almost like Robert Frost kind of knew what he was talking about. Almost, oh, yeah. So he, uh, I don't think he's pretty. a good poet. No. <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> Even though he has some of the more like prolific, dynamic, and prolific poetry, poetry. that we you would read in school because yeah. it's like, hey, you remember that one Robert F- Frost poem? Oh, yeah, I totally do. There's like. About like death and like yeah. about, I don't know solitary. Does Robert yeah. Frost also have one that's like ice and fire or something I, like that? I think ice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's like the solemn. And like I was like, I don't want to just say it because that's his last name, but uh, I also feel like he has one that's about that. Wow. Yeah. But oh, yeah. the road not taken. I think is yeah. The road not taken. So um, hopefully you guys have liked this episode. Yeah, and I actually wrote a little bit of poetry. I wrote a haiku too, but I'll wait that I'll save that for the haiku oh, okay. episode. Um this is probably an example of bad poetry because I just took some things and made it sound old Englishy. Wow. But we'll see uh, we'll see how it's Shakespeare. We have a Shakespeare in here. Speaketh your opinion. Put pen to paper. Let us hear your disdain and favorable favorable words. Attach yourself to our name, generally casual. Search thine computer and find our banner and share it with your compatriots. Hey, that's almost like what Corey would normally say at the end of the episode. <laughs> well, he, thank you, Michael. You're welcome. What you did just there is uh, acknowledge that I did a lot of speaking this episode. Yeah. And now I don't have to say that. Yeah. Do you want me to read my haiku too? Yeah, go for it. Rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> Generally casual. Stay casual, all. Oh, my gosh. And with that, thank you all for listening. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.